Well, alright. Welcome to the Bull Roar MMA Podcast. I am your host, Eric Chiaralanzio. This is episode 67. Yes. We will be talking about UFC and ESPN number one. Uh, that would be Francis Ngannou versus Cain Velasquez. The full card is what we're about to talk about. Hello there. This is my stupid face. Like I said, Eric Cherilanzio. I am your host. Uh, very quickly, let's get all the silliness out of the way. Uh, please subscribe. Please ring the bell so you know when I'm going live. Uh, live chat is there. Anytime you want to chat, I can see it. So you just tell me what you want to talk about and I will abide. Um, doesn't have to be MMA if you're not dead on set anime we could talk politics we could talk religion i don't care i can talk about it all uh so yep i'm at uh, bullroarpodcast.com is the website you may be listening to it right now always on itunes google play spotify um not on stitcher and not on the other one that you have to pay for uh but all the major ones you can find it there uh and clearly if you're watching me right now live i'm on the youtubes every week tuesday night 6 30 eastern standard time uh twitter at uscphd i don't use it but it's there you can always contact me then i'll use it uh podcast at gmail.com for any type of contact if you'd like to do an interview or anything like that if you want to be on the podcast whatever and what else bulwer that's it who cares so uh, i'm on instagram too bull roar podcast or something like that another thing i generally don't use because i don't like social media unless you call this social media which i guess technically it is and that's cool um yeah i don't think yes okay my mic is working all right so let's get into it very quickly first we will talk about my sainthood. Uh, just to remind you that I'm currently the patron saint and will always be the patron saint of the underdogs. The big underdog pick so far this year, plus 325, Rogerio Bontorin beat Magomed Bibliadov. Just reminding you of that. All right. So let's talk the results of last week's fights. Uh, let me move my stupid face over and out of the way. So, as you all know, the main event fell out. That was uh, Robert Whitaker versus Kelvin Gastelum. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. Whitaker had a serious, um, well, a hernia. Uh, a lot of discussion about what a hernia is. I am not a doctor, so I'm not going to pretend to know. What I can tell you is that basically it is a separation of the muscle tissue and either an organ or whatever you want to call it a major body part pokes through and causes bleeding you can get septus septic yeah sepsis uh bad things his doctors forced him to do that surgery anyone who says that he is weak or anything else is just being childish if they say scared and he didn't want to fight silliness he's a professional fighter of course he wanted to fight yeah i need to close my door so ooh, i get to use my favorite 
video thing so far. Technical difficulties. Please stand by. Give me one second. And we are back. Okay. Uh, as always, we've got our whiskey poured. All four fingers. Cheers. Clink. I believe this is Evan Williams, 100 proof. Uh, still not sponsored. Anyone wants to sponsor me? I'm available. I'll drink anything if you're going to pay for it. That's what she said. Okay, we, we being me and the mouse in my pocket, did very well uh, on this card. I believe most people did, not all. Uh, if you were hunting, uh, looking for crazy underdogs, it didn't work out. A lot of favorites won this, but let's go very quickly through it. Uh, uh, Martinez defeats Luigi Burren by unanimous decision. Got that correct. Jalen Turner defeats Callan Porter. Knockout in the first round. That was brutal. Got that one correct. Just missed the round. Kyung Ho Kong beats Teruto Ishihara. Sub first round. Nailed that one too. I had sub by second round. Kai Kara France beating Julian Paiva. Never figured that out. Split decision. That was a very close fight. Shouldn't have been that close. Car France did not look great. So Shane Young defeats Austin Arnett by unanimous decision. Uh, Arnett was the big underdog pick of the night. Didn't come through. He was too tentative. Uh, he definitely, he seems like he has the skill, but maybe he's just not there yet. Maybe he should be in Bellator. Uh, or, you know, he's in the prelims, and that's fine. He probably should have been earlier prelims. Um, what are you going to do? Devontae Smith beats Dong Hyung Ma. First round knockout as we picked it. Dead on. Um, yeah, he looked good. Uh, very good. Uh, Jimmy Crute defeats Sam Alvey by first round knockout. I had Alvey by uh, decision. I was expecting some sort of knockout. Uh, Alvey, oddly, did what he usually has people do with him. Like, he moved forward. He didn't back up, which is usually his strategy. Uh, maybe he, because it was short notice, he thought he wanted to get it done in the first round. Well, it got done in the first round. Uh, he was knocked pretty damn out, uh, got back up, and Crute um, put it on him a second time. He turtled, got, was getting wailed on. Apparently, he gave a thumbs up, but the referee stopped it. He said, BS, I say BS, you can't just turtle and take shots. The referee has to stop the fight. That's just the way it is. Sorry, smiling Sam. Still love you, man, but that was uh, not a good fight. Um, De La Rosa versus Nadia Kassem. I, want to, I can't remember her first name. Got it correct. De La Rosa by submission. It was in the second round, not the first uh, I did not see... Oh, Montana De La Rosa. I did not see this because I was not paying for this card. Uh, yeah, wasn't going to happen. Uh, Honey Yaya loses by unanimous decision. I have not seen that fight. Um, I'm assuming that he just couldn't take down uh, Simone. Uh, Lando Venata beats Marcus Mariano. Sub in round one. Uh Got that correct. I went by decision. I did see this fight uh, on the YouTubes. And, uh, yeah, it was a dominant performance by Venata, uh, as expected. And uh, then Israel Adesanya defeats Anderson Silva by unanimous decision. Uh, not the knockout that I was expecting. 
it was just i did also see this one on youtube this was a technical battle this was uh, two just amazingly high uh skilled strikers um neither one was fighting to win they were fighting not to get destroyed by the other which happens uh that that's a pretty standard thing when you're uh when you're evenly matched, two wrestlers tend to keep it on the feet. Two strikers tend to grapple. They didn't grapple. They just stayed on the feet. They traded. Um, but Adesanya outworked uh, Silva two out of three rounds. Second round was even. Um, so if you did 29-28, absolutely acceptable. I had it 30-27. Um, that was it. No headliner. So... Uh, that's that, folks. Uh, not a great card. Some people were going, like, excited over it. I, I never was, and then once the main event fell out, it was all over from there. Uh, very quickly, let's point out that Bellator, this weekend, February 15th and 16th, that'll be Friday and Saturday, uh, have fights. Uh, Bellator 215, headlined by Mitrione versus Kar Karatanov. Interesting. Uh, I'd go with uh, Mitrione on that one, most likely. And then uh, the, on the 16th, it's MVP versus Paul Daly, Semtex. Uh, I personally would go with uh, MVP on that one also. Um, if you want to look at the full cards, feel free to. Uh, will Martin announced that he will be doing Bellator picks in the future, which is awesome. Good for him. I don't have Dazen or uh, Paramount, so, and it's too hard to pick these uh, undercards, so you can get main events from me occasionally, but check him out. He's uh, definitely got one of the top uh, simple, straightforward, uh, train of thought podcasts. No fancy shit like I do. He just tells you like it is, tells you how he sees it, done. Good guy. As far as I know, never met him, but I like his podcast. So, that being said, let's go to UFC on ESPN number one, also known as UFC Phoenix, Fight Night Phoenix, or UFC uh, Nganu versus, uh, yep, lost the stupid name, Velasquez, duh. All right, so first fight of the night, let's have a drink for my stupidity. Cheers, Sancha. First fight of night, Alexandra Albu from, versus Emily Whitmire. Uh, as you can see, I threw some commentary up there as I'm going to speak right now. Uh, Albu's a dangerous uh, prospect. She's got a submission. She's got three wins, three and zero, oh, one submission, one TKO knockout, and one decision. Uh, Emily Spitfire Whitmire, uh, not so much. She has a less than impressive... Um, um, record uh, and I just don't see her being the UFC caliber fighter that uh, you know it's just the way it is let me uh, fix my page right here but uh, yeah so I'm going clearly with Alexandra Albu uh, she's Russian God knows they're taking over so uh I'm guessing Trump also favors her. Hey yo, politics. Yeah, so it's three and zero versus three and two. 
I've got Albu the Favorite by First Round KO. Uh, possibly submission, could be a decision, but I have a feeling she's going to take her down, ground and pound, done deal. Khabib style. Not because she's Russian, but because she's Russian. Next up, Luke Sanders versus Henan Barrow. Uh, a lot of people talking all kinds of madness. Granted, I don't really know. I just listen to other people's podcasts and stuff, and they go on Twitter, and I don't. So I don't care what else the people out there think. I'm going to tell you what I think. Henan Barrow was great. You know it. And just fell apart in the last few fights. He's uh, lost three in a row. He's 34 and seven versus a Luke Sanders, 12 and three. Now everybody's just automatically going, hey, Henan Barrow's done. And they're picking Luke Sanders. I really struggled with this one. Um, Sanders is a high volume power striker. Uh, but he can get very wild, and he tends to get caught. That's how he's lost his uh, last, what, last fight? Uh, no, I guess it was two fights ago against Andre Sukumtoth. He lost, uh, got caught. He just got sloppy. Uh, he left his chin up. He threw, I believe, his a left hook and uh, just put too much behind it and left his chin wide open. He's got a good chin, but you cannot... Uh, you can't just get, once you get clipped like that, that's the way it goes. Uh, I think he needs to set a high pace here. Uh, first round is when Barrow's the most dangerous. Just bring it to him, put it on him, and um, survive the first round, honestly. Uh, doesn't matter. Just where, I, if I were him, I would grapple uh, against Cage, clinch, a lot of clinch work. Uh, but that doesn't seem to be his MO. He seems to like to. Uh, spend a little more time just standing and banging, uh, which is an option. Uh, whereas Henan Barrow, his striking is very dangerous in the first round, I believe. Um, his BJJ game is solid, probably superior to Sanders. Uh, very difficult to take down, so that's why I would say go with a clinch instead of a double leg or shooting for a single. Barrow's got great kicks. Uh, but f for my taste, he tends to stay in the pocket way too long. He throws uh, three, four, five punch combinations without moving his feet. He plants his feet and starts throwing, and I think it's a big mistake against a guy like uh, Sanders. Sanders is going to throw bombs. Uh, again, by throwing bombs, he does leave himself open for counters, but um, I think he makes it out of the first round, then uh, all bets are off. I I'd say Sanders is going to have a Barrow tired. We may see a better, newer Barrow, but I'm not so sure. See, he is still 32 years old. They're 32 and 33 apiece, so both in their primes. Uh, I think Barrow, just for some reason, after he lost to TJ Dillashaw, just was never the same. So I'm going with Luke Sanders, the favorite, at the minus 185 to the plus 160 of Henan Barrow. As always, these are taken from uh, five dimes off of best fight odds. They are the current odds as of uh, today being Tuesday, the whatever, the 16th. or well, No, not the 16th. I don't know what day it is. Uh, let me see. It is the 12th. Silly, silly people. So, um, yeah, your odds may change. So 
pay attention accordingly if you are going to bet. Next up, Jessica Penny versus Jody Escabel. Uh, not a whole lot to say about this. Escabel has uh, she's a boxer. She stays in boxing range, um, and she's fought uh, what I consider a tougher competition than Jessica Penny. Penny, she's a black belt in uh, BJJ, likes to fight long, different, you know. She's not great at takedowns, even though she's got that high-level black belt, or at least a black belt. I mean, red belt is higher than that, but she's not going to get that. Uh, so, yeah, her jiu-jitsu is going to be superior, but she has to get it to the ground. I don't see it happening. Um, she tends to leave her hands out. She fights long and doesn't bring her her uh, defense back very quickly, which allows for uh, counters on the inside. Escabel, all she needs to do is get on the inside and throw uh, boxing, you know, just boxer. Um, there's a knockout opportunity probably, but I'm going to take Escabel by decision. She's the plus 140 underdog. Here's your first underdog of the night. Uh, Penny the minus 160 favorite. I see where they're going with this. I originally I was with Penny, but I watched you know a couple fights of each, and uh, really, uh, Penny did not. Unless she's figured something out, she did not blow my hair back. Cheers. Next up, uh, Nick Lentz versus Scott Hot Sauce Holtzman, the Carney, the Carney. Let's see, he is thirty-four years old. And 29 and 9. Hot Sauce is 35 years old. 12 and 2. Uh, never been finished. Scott Holtzman. Lentz is a brutal grappler. Normally I pick Lentz. Uh, he's got a win-loss, win-loss record. So uh, he's due for the loss on this one. That's bullshit MMA math. Or, you know, superstitious crap. But um, that is just one thing to look at. Both can wrestle. Uh, Holtzman's superior striking. Lentz is probably the better wrestler, but uh, Hot Sauce, he's been around. I've uh, been a fan of his before he was in the UFC. Uh, I think he can get it done. He's a minus 185 favorite to the plus 160 Nick Lentz. I'm taking Scott Holtzman by decision. I think it'll just be a... Um, I, I think Lentz will get him down once or twice, maybe in the later rounds, but... Um, I'm thinking it's going to be more uh, Holtzman defending the takedowns and uh, landing enough strikes to get the decision. Then we have Andrea KGB Lee versus Ashley Evan Smith. Uh, Evan Smith is coming in on somewhat of a short notice. Uh, she's 31 years old, six and three. KGB is nine and two, um, and she is 30 years old. So they're about the same. Uh, not a lot to say about this one. Apologies for looking away from the camera, but I can't access my computer. I wish it was closer, but yeah, it's straight out of my house, so whatever. Um, I would like to say that there's an option here, but uh, Andrea Lee, even though she's from Texas, goes by KGB. She's a 185 favorite to the plus 160 underdog of Evan Smith. I just don't see how Evan Smith gets it done She'd have to outstrike her. I don't see it. Um, so I'm going to take a KGB Lee. Possibly she'll get a submission or something, but I'm just going to go decision because, well, well, most fights end in decisions, especially women's. 
here's an interesting one. This could be fight of the night. This could be um, fastest finish of the night. This could be amazing. Benito Lopez, the plus 170 underdog versus Manny, the Bermuda Triangle Bermudez, minus 200 favorite. The Golden Boy, Benito Lopez. Man, okay, what can I say? He's a dynamic striker. Throws flying knees, uh, but he's got what I call useful over-aggression. His fight before this, his first fight in the UFC... Uh, they share, both Manny Bernudez and Benito Lopez share an opponent. I cannot remember his name. I can look it up very quickly. But in this fight, uh, Lopez uh, got caught, and um, it's Albert Morales. Good on Morales. He, you know, lost to both of them, but put on good showings. Um, Lopez's fight, he, uh, he got clipped. It was pretty much a jab, I think, or a straight Right, uh, and got sat down when uh, the guy just said his opponent uh, charged. He threw a flying knee, dropped him, uh, followed up with very aggressive striking. Another flying knee, dropped him. Very impressive. But he did end up in that first round in very bad submission uh, situation. He got overzealous, overexcited, and uh, almost got submitted. Ended up... uh, Winning via, I believe, it was decision, uh, unanimous decision. Manny Bermudez, same opponent, submitted uh, in the second round. Um, Bermudez is amazing. He's got 10 wins by submission, 6 by triangle. That would be leg triangles. uh, And that's 4 in a row. So, T-City? Yeah. Uh, But what I noticed is he's definitely hittable he got dropped against that shared opponent um and that's when he started to he got hit and he immediately shot for a takedown now uh i was pretty much on the bermuda triangle train uh you know as a white belt jiu-jitsu practitioner with long legs uh i do triangles as my go-to move from every position uh professor legs legs greno I mean, that's his go-to move is the triangle. So uh, out of respect, I I immediately lean towards the jiu-jitsu guy with the triangles. However, watching Lopez, he's a very good striker. So this is basically, I don't think the odds are correct. I think it's way more of a coin flip. Uh, The fact that Bermudez was dropped uh, and is hittable, multiple times I saw him get hit in that fight, that makes me think Lopez is worth the underdog pick. He's going to be, uh, that first round is going to be nuts. So if Lopez is smart, he'll fight long, he'll circle, and he'll wait for that. I mean, and he seems to have that knee dialed in. So if he can throw a knee or an uppercut as Bermudez comes in, fantastic. Just don't play on the ground. If, that, if he gets hands on you, Lopez has got to get out of there. If he thinks he's going to play jiu-jitsu, he's going to lose. So, originally this was a first-round submission for Bermudez, and I just changed it after watching a couple fights. I thought, now you can't just go with the jiu-jitsu guy all the time. I mean, look at uh, T-City. It's a very similar situation with a longer reach. Let me double-check the reaches. Um, Okay, they have similar reaches. They're the same size, and they're the same age, 24 years old. They're young. Um, 
yeah, it, it's it's really a coin toss, and I don't I don't think these odds are correct. So I'm taking Lopez. I think he knocks him out in the first round, probably flying knee, if not flying knee, um, uh, some sort of counter to a takedown, an uppercut. I'd love to see that, um, or a knee, uh, and possibly ground and pound. Uh, the danger of ground and pound against a jiu-jitsu practitioner of that level is you can get caught. So if he's smart, and I say this all the time, if you drop the guy, make him stand up. If Bermudez hits the floor, hits the mat, hits the cage floor, make him stand up. Don't go diving in. If he can't stand up, fight's over. If he stands up, he's going to be tipsy. You hit him again. Put it on him. But keep that range. Just don't make the mistake of getting inside that 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 um, grappling range the uh the clinch clinch range keep it long and uh should be okay Uh, you know as far as i know (laughs) that's my pick yet another underdog there's your second underdog for the night aljamain sterling versus jimmy rivera very very close interesting fight again i'm going aljamain sterling at the plus 125 underdog to the minus 445, minus 145 of Jimmy Rivera, the favorite. I'm taking that underdog. I'm surprised he's the underdog. I don't know why. Both guys were dropped by uh, the same same dude. Both guys knocked out by the same dude. Marlon Marais. Cheers, Marlon. I shall never doubt you again. But if you look at the, their styles, the difference is Aljamain's long, lean, He's got, uh, let's see, a three, two and a half, three inch reach advantage. He has the three inch height advantage. He uses that the way he strikes. His jujitsu is probably superior to Rivera's. Rivera's wrestling is the question because Aljamain can wrestle. And uh, from what I understand, he, he can really take some people down in the gym. He just never does, seems to do it in the cage. So if he can bring his gym game to the cage, you're going to see a bad, bad Aljamain Sterling. Um, I'm his fan. I've been a fan of his since the, the day one. I can't even remember the first fight I saw him in. Uh, and I'm a fan of the, that fight team. So this is a little bit of a fanboy pick. I just don't think, aside from Rivera landing a bomb, I don't think he's going to out-wrestle Sterling. And even if he takes him down... I think the jiu-jitsu game is going to be very uh, interesting. Now, uh, I guess one thing uh, I want to say, well, let's let's finish this. Yeah, so I, I've got Aljamain Sterling by decision. I would say a submission, but here's why I won't. So Aljamain, underdog pick number three, plus 125. Um, why I have issue with a, a chance for a submission uh, I started doing no gi recently. I always did gi jujitsu for the last two and a half, almost three years, uh, and just recently doing the no gi. As much as I enjoy the lack of um, encumbrance, I'm not a super strong guy. I'm the lean, you know, lean lanky guy. So uh, I like that I can slip away from people. Well, uh, last class, <laughs> I discovered how difficult it is when people are sweating to get a hold of them. You, uh, you know, all my moves are generally using lapels or uh, uh, collars, you know, and then 
the cuff on the wrist. It's what you do. You're constantly grabbing the pants or the, the, the kimono. Well, with nogi and clearly MMA with not even a rash guard, uh, if you sweat and it's slickery, I literally, uh, we were doing X guard. I was uh, passing a dude's X guard. Now, granted, he was bigger than me, stronger than me, and clearly had a wrestling background. So, uh, younger than me. I was outclassed, but I should have had better technique. I had better technique jujitsu-wise than him, in my opinion. So I broke his X guard down, and I was going to uh, free up my trapped leg. So I, I removed uh, the one of his legs. If you don't know, I can't explain X guard in this. So I removed one leg. I went to free my foot and pass. As I did that, he did some sort of thing where he tried to roll me, kind of like a judo throw. And as he rolled me, he just gave, gave up his back, which I was aware of. Ooh, sorry about that. Uh, so he gave his back as he's trying to like put his weight on my foot and shin and kind of forced me to take a knee, which I did, and forced me to my back. But as I was rolling... I went for the seatbelt, which is, you know, across the body, however you want to do it. Uh, I put in my seatbelt, and I just slid right off of him. Now, if this was a gi situation, because I put in my, I, as I tried to put in my far side hook, uh, I couldn't get it. You know, he had defended that. I got my seatbelt. If I, he had a lapel, he had something to hold on to. Even if I, as I fell over, I would have had some sort of baseball choke or, you know, samurai choke whatever you want to call it i would have had some sort of lapel chokes that i could have worked with but having nothing to hold on to besides my own hands i slid right off from hit the mat he took side control that was the end of the it was a positional roll so if you know jujitsu you're familiar with what i'm talking about now there was a big lesson there for me because I, I it's been running through my head it was driving me nuts that why couldn't i do this why why did he get me get me off so easily i should have been able to hold on well he was very slick. And if you ever listen to Eddie Bravo, he always talks about grease, which I was like, why does he call it grease? No one's greased up. You know, it's like cheating. It's not necessarily, it's not, I get what he's saying. You're not greased up, but some people, I had a friend that sweat in a, th a thick, like viscous sweat that would sit on his skin. It wouldn't drip off. He would just covered and you'd grab a hold of him and it'd slide and it would come off and just flashes. It was disgusting. Some people sweat like that. I don't sweat that much, so and I'm hairy, so I have a lot more, uh, you know, something to grab onto. It's just just the thing, you know. Uh, so, that being said, it is, it's very difficult if you haven't tried, if you haven't done this. Trust me, submitting people um, without clothes on is very difficult. This is a high level game we're talking about. Yeah, you see it all the time, but when you think about it, is it how much exhaustion is there? Is it the first round? First round, you're not sweating as much. Some guys get a good sweat before the first round because they don't, they, you know, they want to be wet going in there, you know? So as good as uh, your jujitsu game is, there's a reason that not a lot of people get submitted, you know, and that's just the case. That's why you'll see a lot of kimuras, a lot of arm bars, and rear naked chokes. You're not going to see a lot of... Um, well, well, yeah. I mean, really, without the gi, you lose like a thousand moves. Uh, you don't the Ezekiel very difficult to do without the the clothes. You know, uh, we've, there's one dude out there that can do it, Alexi Olinik. So, cheers to him, Slancha Alexi. 
Pravda? No. Pravda means truth? Whatever. So anyway, point being, I would have gone submission, but uh, it's not that easy, kids. Next up, Andre Feely, the plus 30 underdog versus Miles Jury, the minus 150 favorite. This is going to be a striking battle. They both can wrestle. Uh, they're very, very, very similar fighters. Um, I really don't have much to say about this one, uh, not because I disregard them, but they're just so similar. Uh, 18 and 6 for Feely, 17 and 3 for Miles Jury, 28 years old for Feely, 30 years old for Jury. Uh, same height, same reach. So uh, it all comes down to it all comes down to skill. It all comes down to um, their striking. And I just think uh, Jury has shown he has better striking. Mendez walloped him in his last fight. He needs to make a comeback from that, and uh, and that's okay. Feely. Is coming off of a loss. They're both coming off of uh, two wins and then a loss. So there is no MMA math here, kids. I'm going with Jury. I wish I had a better reason. Uh, I just I think he's the better striker. Period. Brian Barberina, plus 310 versus the favorite, minus 370, Vincente, the silent assassin, Luque. Bam Bam Barberina. He's a bad, bad dude. This is just not a good fight for him. Uh, I don't see, besides not a puncher's chance, but the striking. I can see him being able to strike and landing a great shot. But Vicente Luque has been on a tear. He's got he's had three fights in a row, uh, three wins in a row. He's a fourteen six and one. Barbarina is fourteen five and zero. Um, Barbarina has been trading wins and losses for the last five. He's due for the loss. And like I said, Vincente, three fights, win streak. Luque, um, I wasn't terribly impressed by him on the uh, Ultimate Fighter when it was Black Zillions versus uh, AKA or ATT or whatever the hell it is. Uh, but uh, he's definitely improved. Uh, that's, that's kind of one of the cool things about this sport and watching... Um, ultimate fighter type stuff, you know, skipping all the house shit and just watching the fights, you see this progression. Like Kamaru Usman, uh, he was a wrestler on that show. And the evolution now is, it's so impressive to see these guys that you never heard of or barely knew uh, that were on this TV show. And all of a sudden now they're, you know, reaching headliner uh, level or certainly main event level. That's fantastic. And really Luke a is one of those guys that uh, he's got the full package. His jiu-jitsu is solid. His striking has really improved. Like, he's really putting it all together. So, uh, the reason the odds are the way they are, I'd like to, I wish I could pick Brian Barbarina. That's a long, long, long shot. But at minus 370, i got to take Vincente Luque to win. And I'm taking by KOTKO in round two. I'm assuming it's going to be ground and pound. Next up. Alex Caceres, Bruce Leroy, the plus 285 underdog to Crone. I don't need any type of nickname Gracie, because I'm a Gracie. Uh, Crone Gracie is the, seems to be the last shot at a Gracie winning uh, a, ma a, a fight in the UFC. 
Uh, thank you to Will Martin for pointing out that it has been over 20-some years since a Gracie won in the UFC. Uh, Hoist was the last one to do it. I guess it was UFC 3 or 4, maybe 5, I don't recall. Uh, but yeah, it's been over 20 years. You hear Gracie and you just think UFC. You just think dominance. But the difference with the UFC is they got rid of the gi. You know, once you get rid of the uniform, uh, jiu-jitsu changes. And I, I can't I can't explain this enough. The reason 10th Planet is so strong, the reason that the Donna Her Death Squad is so dangerous is they fight no gi. They don't worry about the collar ties, the um, you know collar chokes, the lapel chokes. Uh, there's so many things you can do with clothing, whether it's a gi or a t-shirt. You know, I, sh- I showed my friend the other day how to do something not like how to do, like I'm a fucking master, but an, a concept like, hey, you do this, and all it took was me to get a hold of this shirt. And it was like, damn, you can do that with a t-shirt. Yes, you can. You can do it with a tie. You can do it with any piece of clothing, a rash guard too. But these guys don't have rash guards. And you're not allowed to grab them if they did. So uh, it makes jujitsu different. It's MMA jujitsu. It is not traditional jujitsu. That being said, Crone Gracie, he's the last great hope so far. <laughs> he is for the last I've heard of uh, uh, the UFC victory or shit, even an MMA fighters. There's just not a lot of Gracies fighting. They don't need to. They're just relying on their name, you know, making money. No shame in that. Uh, his Crone Gracie's striking. Not the greatest in the world, but not the worst in the world. Good enough. And when you have the jiu-jitsu pre- uh, pedigree that he has that's what you use he's not the first guy in this card to use pure uh jiu-jitsu we were talking about it earlier um bermudez the bermudez triangle uh there's your jiu-jitsu guy so we'll see you know can bermudez get it done if he can get it done can crone get it done uh different weight classes so they're never going to meet up most likely but interesting we'll see if it's a jiu-jitsu night or if it's a striking night or if it's split i'm going split uh, Caceres has the striking advantage at plus 285. Crone Gracie, definitely the ground advantage at minus 345. He can pull guard. Uh, you know, Caceres has been submitted in the past. Uh, he does have decent jiu-jitsu, but it's, it's just, there's no comparison. There's just no comparison. You know, you can't, it's like, it's like, um, trying to wrestle with someone, you know, taking, taking wrestling classes for a few years and then try to wrestle someone who's been doing it their whole life you know, NCAA champ. It's not going to happen. You just don't do it. You can only learn so much, and then you got to s- stick to your strengths. In no way does Caceres have a strength on the ground. Can he defend himself? Absolutely. Like I said, sweat, the lack of the gi, absolutely. And that could be the way that Caceres wins, just striking. Shit, let's say uh, Gracie pulls guard, goes for an omoplata or uh you know, a, a triangle, armbar, whatever. Easily, there's a, not easily, but there's a damn good chance that Caceres can slip out because of, without the gi, and start dropping bombs. You can, you can knock a dude out with one punch when his head's on the mat very easily. You bounce his chin, you, or you hit him in the chin, you bounce his head off the fucking mat. That, that absolutely could happen. And that'd be cool. But again, don't you want to see Crone Gracie win? As much as I like Bruce Leroy, I, I want to see a Gracie win, and I want to see a Gracie continue in the UFC. 
Uh, if you want to talk ages, let's see. Crone uh, is 30, so he's entering his prime. Alex Caceres is 30, entering his prime. Everybody, everybody, 90% of the world is picking Crone by submission, and I can't, I can't blame him. There's just no reason not to. You know, it's just the way. It'll be interesting. Look forward to it. Don't be a hater. Don't be an asshole and be like, I hope Crone Gracie loses because of his name. Fuck you. You know, you know, it's not like just because you have the last name Gracie, your life is easy. You know, you still have to train. You don't just magically absorb by osmosis or by genetics the uh, Gracie jiu-jitsu abilities. It's just not that way. So just relax, take a pill, chill, and let's all root for Crone. Next up, Courtney Casey versus Cynthia Calvillo. Um... Courtney Casey, the plus 240 underdog to the minus 280 Cynthia Calvillo. I'm taking Courtney Casey by decision. There's your big, big, big underdog pick of the the uh, week. And it'll be my second biggest underdog pick of the year. What was the biggest one? Oh, if I could only remember what the biggest one was. Oh, that's right. Plus 325. Making me a saint. Uh, so, yeah. At plus 240, Courtney Casey. Uh... Cavio, it's Cavio's wrestling versus Casey's Brazilian jiu-jitsu and fight experience. Um, I'll be honest with you, the the matchmakers are, or the odds makers are probably correct. This is probably that much of a discrepancy, but when I watch them fight, I see uh, Casey is a more fun striker. Uh, she's a solid jiu-jitsu practitioner. Uh, my only problem with her is she gets way too comfortable being on her back. Uh, she doesn't have the best footwork. She can be tripped up, taken down. And then when she gets there, she's comfortable because she's a jiu-jitsu practitioner. The problem is, in an MMA match, you tend to lose if you don't, if you're not on top and if you're not uh, firing up a ton of um, submissions. Now, uh, I watched a couple fights of each. I didn't see Calvillo ever getting really threatened with uh, any jiu-jitsu. So I think this will be interesting. Casey's going to be bigger, uh, stronger, most likely, uh, at least taller. 5'7 to 5'4, 67-inch reach. To, she's got 3-inch reach to 64-inch reach. They're both 31 years old, so it's not like it's an age issue. It really comes down to uh, uh, styles. And I would assume Calvillo's going to try to take it to the ground and, uh, and wrestle fuck and ground and pound. I don't think she can do that to Courtney Casey. If she gets it down, which she very well can and probably will, I would say Casey still has the jiu-jitsu to sweep, submit, uh, or elbow from the bottom. All kinds of options. We shall see. It is the underdog pick. Of the, the, it's the big one. That's the fourth one, I believe, of the, of the fight card. So, you know, not afraid to stick my neck out there when I see him. And I'm seeing... A superior jiu-jitsu practitioner and I'm hopeful because Courtney Casey could use the win um, very quickly did I mention Calvillo's seven and one Casey's eight and six uh, so we'd like to see Casey really get uh, get back on track and, and keep that UFC contract cheers it's 115 pounds there's not a ton of them out there so there's no reason for her to think that her back's against the wall All right. Next, 
Now, this is, to me, a good chance this is going to be fight of the night. This is Anderson Silva versus Israel Adesanya, only same age. Uh, Paul Felder, 33 years old. James Vick, 31 years old. 5'11 versus 6'3. 70 inches versus 76 inches. So Vick's got the height and the reach advantage. And that's okay. Originally, here's my problem with this fight. I'm a fan of both these guys. I am. I have been a fan of both these guys for a long time. I know some people hate James Vick. Um, and some people probably hate Paul Felder. Uh, people question, well, Paul Felder, he's been doing commentary. He wants to be an actor. He wants to be do commentary. He doesn't want to be a fighter. Hmm, I disagree. If you look at the broadcast booth, uh, how many commentators uh, are failures at fighting? Well, let's see. You've got DC, the champ champ. You've got Tyron Woodley, the champ. You've got... Uh, um, shit. I should have said his name first. Uh, shit. Well, damn it. Y'all know my brain. Lost that name, fell right the hell out of my head. But uh, look at the... The, the list of champs and ex-champs that grace what used to be the Fox stage, now the ESPN stage. Um, Bisbing, champ. Um, Dominic Cruz, Jesus, thank God that came to me. Champ. You're talking high-level uh, fighters, still fighting, many of them, and they're champs. Literally, the champ champ holding the belt is, an, uh, is the commentator, and Tyron Woodley, champ. So uh, this idea that you can't do both is crazy. Um, Rashad Evans, ex-champ. So you've got ex-champs and champs. The idea that you can't do both is just crazy. It's just crazy. In fact, to me, it's probably better because if you have that, you don't have a, a backup job, like this is your only job, you're probably overtraining. You know, you're probably taking it too far. Um you know, Paul Felder's got to split his time between training and his job and his, his broadcast position. It's not that taxing. It's not like he's checking in every day. It's a good supplemental uh, position, and it's a great way to distract you from the grind of the training. Trust me, training is a grind. Um, shout out, <laughs> Shouts out to Trey, uh, a guy in the gym. He's got his, uh, I think it's his first MMA fight coming up uh, within the next two weeks. Um, he's been working his ass off in the gym and I see he's putting in two and three training sessions a day uh, sometimes I'll do two I'll do a Muay Thai and a Jiu Jitsu I was going to do it uh, yesterday but after that hour of Muay Thai I looked at that killer's row that's just this murderer's row of brown belts down to blue belts and I was like oh man do I really want to step into the deep waters today after an hour just pouring sweat nah I'm glad I didn't. My brain says, you pussy. But my body's like, thank you. You know you were going to get s just smashed. I mean, let me see if I can show you. See, you see that bruise? That's a fine-looking bruise right there. That's been a week. It's just growing. It won't go away. So that's a last Wednesday's smash. So, you know, everybody's different, uh, which is a real thing. Uh, RG3, I believe, is a football player, this great prospect that never was because he got injured too many times. You'll hear this all the time. Some people injure easier than others. Some people don't injure. Some people can train six days a week and they're fine. Some people are Cain Velasquez and get hurt all the time. You know, Khabib, um, that camp, a.k.a. Uh, there's a lot of people that can 
uh, that have great talent but can't do it physically because of injuries or whatever. That just happens. I think the taking time out and staying out of the gym is, is very important when you're putting that much time in the gym. That's all I'm saying. So back to the fight. I'm picking Paul Felder as the minus 105 to James Vick's minus 115. This is a pick em. This is a coin flip. You can't really call either one an underdog. Nobody knows what the hell's going to happen. Vic has the reach. Uh, possibly the speed. I don't know. For me, Felder, he's from the BMF ranch. He trained with Cowboy Cerrone enough. Um, where's he training out of now, do they say? Henzo Gracie, Pennsylvania, you know, versus Team Lloyd Irvin. This is a, a quality, quality match. Um, yeah, they're just so similar. They're just so similar, both in their primes. Um, so I, I'm going with Felder for the sole reason his, his Muay Thai. His elbows from anywhere. If it goes to the ground, he'll use elbows. If it's standing up, he'll use elbows. I expect him to... If you think about Gaethje, the Gaethje fight with James Vick, the mistake Vick made was he got into the danger zone, got his back near the cage, and that's when he got clipped. He, he didn't have room to run. And he got caught. I'm a big fan. I, I expected Vic to win that fight. He just got caught. Had he not gotten caught, it would have been a possibly a whole different story. So, uh, you know, Felder doesn't have to worry too much about the submission game of Vic. I wouldn't say not at all. He definitely has to worry. But I would say that this is going to be a stand-up fight. In this fight, if Felder can get past Vic's reach, which I believe he can, and get into the clinch, his victory is in the clinch, his Muay Thai clinch. He can rough him up with elbows and then take him to the ground uh, and just kind of hold a top position. Hell, he can pop up, maybe knee on belly, or just stand up and start dropping bombs, not let Vic get up. There's a lot of options here. This is going to be a very close fight, possibly fight of the night. Very good chances fight of the night. Uh, but I'm taking Paul Felder. Uh, both guys are great, and I hate to see either one lose, but I'm taking Paul Felder. By decision. Because I can't decide if it's a knockout or not. Now, the crazy thing is... Well, I shouldn't say crazy. The main event of the evening... Let me grab a beverage. <clears throat> All right. Cain Velasquez returns versus Francis Ngannou. Francis Ngannou, the plus 165 underdog versus the minus 190 favorite. Now, Cain Velasquez has not fought much. He's 14 and 2. Ngannou is 12 and 3. Uh, both coming off of wins. Uh, Ngannou, 83 inch reach to the 77 inch reach of Cain Velasquez. Big fucking deal. That's a six-inch reach advantage. They uh, six-one to six-four for uh, Ngannou. Height advantage. Is that really an advantage against a wrestler? Not necessarily. However, or not however, however you want to look at it. Um, let's see. Cain Velasquez last fought in 2016, July of 2016. Prior to that, he lost to Fabrizio Verdum in June of 2015. Prior to that, he beat Junior Dos Santos in 2013, in October. So he's fought three times 
Oh, she's fought twice since 2013. In six years. I mean, that sucks. And everyone's like, oh, he's the GOAT. You No. At no point can you call him the GOAT. You can't call him the greatest heavyweight of all time. You just can't. He lost to Fabricio Verdum, and he lost to Junior Dos Santos. Uh, one knockout, one submission. Yeah, he beat uh, Travis Brown in 2016. But um, I don't know, maybe I'm a dick, but I just don't give Travis Brown that much credit. He, uh, he was a one-round guy. Uh, he always seemed to do very well in the first round and not continue with what he was doing and then just get smoked. Uh, it's unfortunate. But he, he won in the end because he married Ronda Rousey. So congratulations, sir. Good for you. Um, so now everybody looks at Francis Ngannou, the predator, and they're like, oh, he's a one-trick pony. He's got his striking and that's it, right? He's knocking people out. Yeah, he was knocking people out. First round, first round, first round. Uh, let's see. He entered the UFC against Curtis Blades. Uh, Dr. Stoppage, round two. Bojan... Malichikovic, I never know how to say his name. Bohan, first round knockout. Anthony Hamilton, first round knockout. Andre Olowski, first round knockout. Alistair Overeem, first round knockout. I'm sorry, Anthony Hamilton was a first round submission. Apologies. Then he lost to Stipe by decision and lost to Derek Lewis by decision. That was just an absolute garbage fight. So Stipe beat him by decision, dominant, absolutely dominant, but didn't finish him. Uh, and then. Ngannou came in with no confidence. He was just a broken man and lost the fight that he should have won. Derek Lewis, he did just neither guy did shit. So we can't even talk about that. Dismiss that. So then he comes back against Curtis Blades again. A, was it Juco Championship Wrestler? I don't know any of that Division One Juco shit, but a high-level badass wrestler, right? So he's supposed to come in. Now he knows Ngannou can be taken down. So now he's going to just walk through him. I bought it. I bought the hype. I'm sure I did. In fact, I know I did. And what happened? Nganu smashes him with an overhand right, sends him to the ground. It was exactly what you'd hope Nganu would be able to do. If you watched his footwork, great circling footwork, kept his long distance, did not get into that phone booth, did not get into simple boxing range. He stayed long, circling, uh, waiting for blades to do something, waiting for him to commit. And when he saw his opportunity, feet planted, bomb. Now, if you look at what that, watch that punch. Go back and watch this fight. Here's what really did it for me. Go back, watch that fight, and now go back and watch Cain Velasquez versus Junior Dos Santos 1. Same exact punch. Same punch. It's a counter overhand right or a perfectly timed overhand right, whatever you want to call it. Same shit. Sat him down. So now, if JDS could sit down a younger Cain Velasquez, you're not telling me that a monster like Nganu, who hits probably harder than anyone else in the UFC, can't sit down an older, more weathered Cain Velasquez making a return? He's going to have ring rust. Everyone's ignoring ring rust. They're like, oh, it's either it is a thing or it isn't a thing. I don't know if it's a thing. I think it's a thing. Any competition, not ring rust, it's any competition. When you've been out and you come in, either you, you do great or you do shitty. I went bowling with my friend uh, on Saturday. I hadn't bowled in two and a half years since I started doing jiu-jitsu. Uh, I used to have like a 185, 190 average, and I bowled probably a 
but I, I built a 133, a 144, and a 155, some shit like that. So, you know, a 145 average, uh, which I hadn't done it in two and a half years, so I was okay with that. I didn't have my uh, my league stuff. I, I didn't have all the equipment, but I didn't even practice. So usually three games is a warm-up when you're a bowler. <laughs> so we played three games. I was fine with the fact that I had a 145. So yeah, I'm 40 pins lower. It's not great, but you know, 30, 40 pins, whatever. That's just a comeback. Same way with golf. When I golf, I haven't golfed in years. Usually when I don't practice, I'll have a good game. And then all the yips come back, even halfway through. Like that first tee, you're scared, but hey, my first tee off was good. You know, hey, maybe I got on the green in two. Fantastic. But eventually the, all those little tricks come back, all those little mistakes that you make come back and uh, because you haven't trained and trained and trained. Sometimes it's overtraining. Sometimes it's better to not have training. I get it. But once you're in the situation and, and all the pressure's on, it is hard to just come through. Sometimes you do. In those instances, it happens. Other times you shit the bed, you know? And sometimes when you're on a great streak, look at Demetrius Johnson, 11 title defenses or 10, whatever it was, and then he loses to Cejudo. I mean, you just have a, all, all it takes is one bad day to lose a belt, and all it takes is one good day to win a belt. But over time, that's when the goats happen, you know? So this isn't a goat fight. I don't care what anyone says. This isn't Cain Velasquez, the goat, or the greatest heavyweight of all time. No. I don't know who that is, but it's not Cain Velasquez. You can't have, you can't fight two times in five years or six years and call yourself the greatest. You just can't. It's, it's probably Daniel Cormier. That being said, drink up. What does Cain bring to the table? Superior wrestling. Um, superior wrestling and superior wrestling. That's it. Cardio for days. So superior wrestling, cardio for days. That's the same thing. Superior wrestling comes with cardio, generally. These guys are machines. But at, let's see, how old he is he? He's 32. He's 32. Oh, I'm sorry, Nganu is 32. Come on. Nganu's 32. He's 36. So he's already on his way out of his prime, or he's out of his prime. And he's fighting a guy in his prime. And he hasn't fought in his prime at all. He's wasted, or unfortunately been forced to waste his prime. Man, people, honestly, it is 65% Velasquez to 35% Nganu on, uh, on uh, what's this thing called? Tapology. And almost everyone's picking knockouts. They're thinking they're, he's going to ground and pound out Nganu. Now, if Stipe didn't ground and pound out Nganu, why would Kane? So you're thinking Kane is better than Stipe. Well, Stipe, when has he missed a fight? When has he been out? You know, there's a fight to make, you know. Why they're doing this one, it should have been Kane versus Stipe. You know, and Francis versus, uh, well, that's the problem is when you have a champ champ and they hold up the fucking belts. But anyway, I'd say winner of this gets Stipe, probably, for a title fight or an interim title. We'll see what happens with uh, Cormier. I don't know. Uh, but man, yeah, everybody is just all over Kane, and I totally get it. The guy is good. But I also picked against him when he was fighting Brock the first time, and I was right. Uh, I said 
specifically to my friends. Um, wait a second. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I am incorrect. Uh, he beat Brock. I thought he lost him once and beat him once. My bad, yeah. I remember him beating him. That's when Brock had uh, diverticulitis. Um, it was the fight that Brock had before that. Who was he fighting that I had nailed this? Because I had said, dude, I've watched Brock Lesnar do a, a shooting star uh, flip. I think it's called shooting star. Uh, and miss. Damn. Yep. Oh, Shane Carwin. Yeah, the Shane Carwin fight, I was, everyone was convinced. But the, yeah, and that was a close one. Anyway, my bad. My bad. Apologies. Dragging it out. Uh, so, anyway. Yeah, it is the striking of Francis Ngannou versus... Cain Velasquez, uh, cardio Cain. Um, honestly, from what I saw with Cain, uh, Francis Ngannou versus Blades 2, he had a nice low stance. He was absolutely prepared. He was ready to throw a knee, most likely an uppercut. It really, because, I mean, he's got uppercuts for days. So he's prepared now. He understands that when they come in, this is what's available. Uh, they're going to, you know, if you look at AKA, there's certain kind. They do the singles or the doubles. Usually they go shoot a single, uh, ride. What are they? Uh, ride the pipe. What is it called? You know, it, it's not by any means basic, but it's it's basic wrestling at the highest level possible. Everything these guys do is just it's it's standard, but it is superior. So Nganu basically he shucked off. Uh, Blades in the first round before he clocked them. It wasn't like Blades didn't get a shot in. Blades did go for a shot. He went for a single, and Ngannou got an underhook and scooped him right off. Now, would Kane scoop right off like that? No, because he's going to chain, chain, chain. This is chain wrestling. But he's got to get there. And, uh, I don't know, in my humble opinion, uh, the, the odds are correct, I guess. Maybe should be a little closer. Really, Vic and... Um, uh, Felder are complete coin flip, but this one people are convinced. I disagree. I would say maybe minus 120 for Cain Velasquez, plus 120 for Nganu. That would make more sense. But at a plus 165, there's your other underdog. So I think I pick like five underdogs on this fight, uh, fight card. And I'm taking Nganu by first round knockout because uh, there's nothing that sucks more than a five-round heavyweight fight of uh, gassed people. Because honestly, Kane won't gas, and if Nganu, I don't think he's going to gas gas, but he'll have enough to just hang on, and I don't see Velasquez really pounding him out. But uh, I could be wrong about that. So, cheers. That's, that's my prognostication for UFC ESPN 1. Out of Phoenix, Arizona... So no worries about um, cardio there. Should be wonderful temperatures. Everyone should be very comfortable. Um, as far as betting goes, let me pop this up very quickly. Uh, as you know, I'm not a great better. I'm not. I'm. I'm a, a fine gambler, but I am not a great sports better. I'm still learning how this all works. 
apologies. But uh, I was looking for a good bet. I don't personally, and please comment below, uh, wherever you are listening, comment, send me an email at bullroarpodcast at gmail.com. Explain to me why you're willing to pick a favorite. You're going to put, let's say, $100 down on a minus 125. So you're going to get your 100 back plus 25. Is that how that works? Right? Because it's a plus 125, and you're going to put 100 down, you're going to get your 100 back plus 125, if I understand correctly. I believe that's how it works, right? So why put your money down for such a small... Like, even though, oh, I'm sure it's going to happen. But what's the point? Making these petty... I know small victories and whatnot, but it's it's not the best way to go around. I guess if you want to take small increments, build up your, your, your nut, build up your, your pot, it's good. But in a sport where there's so many uh, opportunities for shit to go wrong, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big money guy. If I'm gambling, I want to win the big jackpot. I don't care about the, the small trickling, you know, whatever. I go to Vegas again. I go every six months. My wife and I all play slot machines for days. And people say, well, that's just stupid. There's no skill involved. Absolutely, there's no skill involved. Yet the payouts are so superior to any table game or anything else. Uh, my favorite table game is Pi Gow Poker. Uh, but the difference is that's a high cost. Usually the cheapest you're going to get in is about $40 a bet. $40 a hand, which is pricey as fuck for me. Uh, but $40 a hand the odds are you're going to push. So the, I'm not going to explain Pi Gow Poker to you. If you understand it, great. If you don't, Google it. Uh, but odds are there's going to be a push. So you're just going to sit there and no money is going to exchange hands. But you're going to get drinks. They're just going to keep serving you. That's a great game to me. Um, aside from that, there's blackjack. Again, you're not going to make more than two to one on a blackjack. And that's if you have a right table, usually three to two. Uh, you can do roulette at 32 to 1, but that's your odds. Those are, those are accurate odds. You're not, no one's guessing. No one's like testing your knowledge or anything else. You're just, you're pissing in the wind, just like a slot machine. But at the same time, the slot machine, if I bet a $3 and I win $150, that is a huge payout difference than if I bet, let's say, uh, $15 on blackjack and I get back 30 or 40. You know, there's, it just, it's the reward versus risk. And I like to take uh, smaller, well, larger risk with larger reward, I guess, but at a lower cost. You know, it's a, it's a cost benefit, you know, mathematical thing. And I get people who go, no, you got to play roulette. Absolutely. Play roulette. You play craps. People think craps there's a st- there is definitely a strategy to craps that is a very winning strategy, but you've got to be able to throw those dice properly, and you need to get the, your money off the table when you see someone who doesn't know what they're doing. I've been there, and it's been very frustrating because uh, I practiced and stuff, and that's a whole other podcast. Uh, so if you want to talk gambling, please, anytime, send me an email, bullroarpodcast at gmail.com, or join the chat. Obviously, no one's chatting right now uh, I would love to talk gambling with you but uh, 
that's a whole other podcast. But this particular gamble right here, I set up a parlay. I'm sorry, it's been sitting up, so visually you can see it. Audibly, let me explain. I would not bet any of these fights just directly. Uh, I think Aljamain Sterling, probably he's my uh, most confident underdog pick. Um, I could scroll through. Here's my point, though. If you can see on the screen, and I apologize for those who are listening, let me read it. Vincente Luque at a minus 370 favorite. Crone Gracie at a minus 345 favorite. Those are the two top uh, favorites. I added Aljamain Sterling at the plus 125 underdog. If you make that parlay, the parlay becomes plus 269. So, in my eyes, I'm very confident in Luque and Gracie, right? So I don't think I'm going to lose those at all. Those are my confident picks. But I'm not going to bet $500 on Vincent or $100 on Vincente Luque at a minus 370. So I can win what, 15 bucks or whatever the hell it is? Fuck that. So basically, I'd have to win. I have to bet $370 to win 100. Pass. So I'll bet $100 to win 37 or whatever. Fuck 370. Whatever. Uh, you get it. But this parlay, Vincente Luque minus 370, Crone Gracie minus 345, and I put in Aljamain Sterling at plus 125, you get a parlay at plus 269. So at 270, so you put down 100 bucks, you win your 100 back plus 270. Now that is a bet I would make. And I'm not saying make this bet. But I'm saying consider it because I was just fucking around and this I'm trying to figure out this betting style. Look at that parlay. Throw your two favorite in there. Your Vincente Luque, your Chrome Gracie. Look at look at those big uh, favorites. Then add in the one that you think they made a mistake on. It could be Courtney Casey, right? There, there's quite a few people. It could be. Um, very quickly. Could be Courtney Casey. Could be Alex Caceres. Uh, but that would change the whole Crone Gracie thing. Uh, don't do that. Could be Andre Feely. Mm. Oh, Ashley Evan Smith is definitely a possibility. I wouldn't do that. Nick Lentz is a definite possibility. Nick Lentz, uh, I, if you're not, and Henan Barrow. I would say uh, Aljamain Sterling, Henan Barrow, or Nick Lentz. Plug that into that Vincente Luque, Crone Gracie parlay and you'll get nearly plus 300 and then you'll make some money and it's more fun fuck what's one fight and you make 20 bucks i mean what's the point don't risk your money like that and as always do not just bet because i said so um luckily nobody listens to me and nobody contacts me i have the worst listeners when it comes to <laughs> you know i've got listeners i got followers but you all don't care you don't contact me and that's okay because i don't do social media uh, but don't just bet because I said it. Don't just do it because I said it. But if you do it, if you do a Luke, Gracie, and somebody else, and you win, fucking take a picture and send it to me. You know, come on, let me know. Uh, it make me feel good. And if you miss it, I'll apologize. So, uh, yeah, that's the end of the podcast, I believe. That is all I got left. Let me make sure I'm not missing any. Nope, that is it. Uh, wow, I didn't. I didn't even finish my beverage. 
and that's unusual because usually that's what's the end <laughs> i usually say uh the whiskey's gone it's the end of the whiskey so it's the end of the podcast but i'm not slamming uh two fingers especially at 100 proof so uh as always thank you very much for uh, listening watching um Please like and subscribe regardless of what platform you're on. Any type of like, subscribe, love, hugs, comments, all that shit helps in some sort of algorithm in the world. I don't care if I'm the least heard person or the most heard person, but how awesome would it be if I could actually monetize this? Um, I'll never do Patreon. I'll never charge my listeners. I'll never go behind any type of thing. That to me is, uh, that's shitty advertisers sure i'd love to have advertisers but i'll never charge my listeners uh i I don't like that but if you can get me to the point where i can monetize by telling your friends telling your friends friends uh letting them know that i'm not just some guy who just sits on his couch and makes shit up i train uh i do muay thai and jujitsu i'm not great at both or either (laughs) but i do it and uh it helps uh, physically. I'm not good at it. Mentally, I get it. Uh, but I'm 45. I'm turning 46 in September. Uh, you know, I'm doing the best I can with the body I was given. I'm one of those people that's just not supposed to be an athlete. Uh, but I have a mind for it. And had I known when I was a kid that, like, I didn't know you could be a coach without playing. Like that shit didn't matter. Like that made no sense to me. Now, too late. But uh, I definitely. Look forward to cornering my boy um, Oscar. He's uh, he's not 18 yet, so but he's working towards his first MMA fight in the next two years. Uh, and shouts out to Trey. Uh, I've, I'm enjoying watching him train. I'm absolutely I'll do anything to help him train. He'll be on this podcast after his fight, hopefully, if we can work that out. He seemed to be looking forward to it. I'd like to have an interview with a real fighter, you know, and I'd like to introduce him to the world. Um, so great. Hey, if, if I'm going to do a, uh, a GoFundMe or something in the future, before I do that, send me an email at bullroarpodcast at gmail.com. If you're the kind of person that does uh, pay or, or, or give money to people who do fundmes, I, I find it very embarrassing to do, but I would like to upgrade my system so I can have great interviews, uh, live interviews. Uh, and, and live chat, a lot more stuff that I could do if I had a better setup. Uh, and that's all in the future. You know, I've only been doing this a few years, a two and a half. Oh, I've been doing it two years, doing jujitsu for two and a half, almost three. So, whatever. Thank you for tuning in. As always, uh, I appreciate all of you. I appreciate uh, this whole format. Uh, I'm an appreciative individual. <laughs> I'm super happy uh, that this is an opportunity for me to tell everybody how I think and. Uh, to reach out to uh, everybody else in the world. So thank you. Uh, thanks for listening. And thanks for uh, supporting me, not monetarily, just but by telling your friends, getting the word out there. If you've got an Instagram page, if you have followers on any type of social media, just say, hey, check this guy out. Send them a link if you know they're into the MMA world or UFC. Um, I'm just not a social media guy, and I thoroughly enjoy talking to the the world the masses and i hope uh, you enjoy what i say if i hope i entertain you and i hope uh that my picks help you uh make some money uh, i never know 
So that being said, thank you for watching. Facebook.com slash UFCPHD. BullRoarPodcast.com. BullRoarPodcast at gmail.com is the contact information. And at UFCPHD on the Twitter box. Thank you again. And I'll shut the hell up. Didn't finish my whiskey this time, but that's all right because it's 100 proof and there's no rush. So, uh, from, well, whatever. From my heart, as always, thank you and may peace and the force be with you.